0: Hey everybody, this is Andy. Wanted to give you a quick heads up that when we recorded this, our very first podcast episode, we had no idea that the state Supreme Court would be issuing a ruling just 48 hours later. So during this episode, you're gonna hear uh, some discussion about the hearing uh, that took place on Tuesday and and our analysis of what we think is gonna happen. As it turns out, we now know that the cigarette tax was ruled unconstitutional And we'll be addressing that in our next episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everyone. My name is Andy Moore, and welcome to the first episode of Let's Pod This, a podcast from Let's Fix This, your friendly neighborhood, Uh, citizen outreach grassroots public involvement organization Uh, so uh, if you've never heard of us let's fix this is a nonprofit nonpartisan organization that's focused on helping regular people get involved in their state government and helping them find a voice and figure out how to how to make that voice be heard so our you know our real mission is to educate and to equip uh, all Oklahomans, so they can involve and become more engaged with their government, and uh, we do that through promoting, uh, you know, some public comment. Uh, we we really try to create opportunities for you, uh, as a citizen, as a person who lives here, to meet and build relationships with your with your state lawmakers. Uh, we're certainly in, involved uh, at the state level and interested with stuff at the city or the municipal level. Um, and while there is much work to be done at the federal level, that's it's uh, a little bit big right now, and it's far away. And I think when this whole thing started for us, we want to help Oklahomans realize that, meant just down the street or just a few you know miles or a few hundred miles away here at the State capitol, and really there in your neighborhoods, um, that all politics are local, and there's a way for you to get involved and to make a difference no matter where you are or who you are uh, in this state. And I don't think people believe that. So that's where we started. So uh, this is our first episode, and what I'd like to do today is um, first just talk a little bit about us and who we are in case you don't know, in case somehow you happen to stumble upon this podcast without um, having uh, been a follower on Facebook or Twitter or any of those things, and um, and hopefully to make it a little more accessible to you, and then we're going to get into what will kind of be the format for this podcast going forward. Um, that each episode we'll talk about kind of current events. What's the stuff that happened this week or, or uh, recently in the state uh, state politics? And um, then we'll talk a little bit about uh, or interview some you know some legislators, just some other regular people that happen to be involved. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Volunteers or participants that have come to our events that I think have powerful, important stories, and maybe some of you listening at home would be interested in that as well. Uh, and then just other people that might be more insightful or have a different perspective um, to help us kind of understand why things are the way they are and how things in this state work. Right? There's a lot of, a lot of complicated political matters that most of us don't honestly have the time or energy to to look into, and if we can just boil it down um, to uh, some key takeaways for you, I think that would be um, maybe really helpful. Now, uh, again, this is our first episode. It's a work in progress. It'll be developing. If you have suggestions or comments, please feel free to contact us. Um, You can tweet at us at Let's Fix This Okay. Uh, Also, it's Facebook.com slash Let's Fix This Okay. And we're on Instagram, same handle, Let's Fix This Okay. Or you can email me, andy at letsfixthisok.org. All right, I'll give you those again at the bottom of the episode. But first, a little bit about us and where we came from. So in the spring of 2016, the state of Oklahoma faced a budget shortfall of $1.2 billion. That's billion with a B. It's a lot of money we didn't have, we needed. Uh, and there were cuts rolling out. It felt like every couple of days there was a news story or a broadcast highlighting what services were being cut. And there's one day, I believe it was a Wednesday, where a news story came out that the state was eliminating disability payments to individuals that are blind, because we didn't have money. These people um, were on disability. They were unable to work or on modified work duties. Um, and they needed this money to survive. And it wasn't much money, it was like $35 a person. No one's getting rich off this, no one is really able to, to live off this, and they were cutting that out because they didn't have money. Uh, and so I got frustrated and started looking more into it and reading and researching and talking to people and found out that there was really a lot of ways that the state could get more money and some things that we probably weren't spending appropriately. Certainly, there's always waste and fraud and abuse. You hear those terms a lot. And so I thought, you know what, how about we go to the state capitol and maybe talk to our legislators. Because we know that we're all supposed to make phone calls and write letters, and honestly most of us don't. I never did. I didn't have any idea who my state legislators were at that time. And so I got together a few friends and went down to the capitol uh, with some help from some legislators um, that I was already friends with. And um, they kind of helped us make a day of it and I made a Facebook event and invited my friends. Turns out they invited their friends and they shared it with their friends, and before you know it, we had about 100 people that showed up that first day. And I tell you what, man, that was incredible. Like, I I thought there'd be six or 10 of us and there was 100. And so we did it again a few weeks later and we had high schoolers that marched from their high school to the Capitol to join us. There's about 200 people and then we did it again a third time and I swore this was gonna be the last time and there's about five hundred people the last time. Uh that was certainly exceptional. And it was clear that something had like hit a nerve in the hearts and the and the minds of Oklahomans that people wanted to speak up and wanted to have a voice. So uh, so I gathered up a group of folks that are far smarter and wiser and more experienced than I am and really kicked around some ideas and we decided to officially form up as a 501c3 nonprofit organization that could be this this uh, organization for the people Um, we would do things we do we do kind of really two things we do stuff inside the capital and stuff outside the capital so outside the capital we'll start there we do trainings and info sessions and meetups and we try to bring information to you and present it in a way that's more approachable and easily understandable than Uh, than what you might find elsewhere. We don't all have time to go back and read a book about civics or you know how to get involved, and you can only watch Schoolhouse Rocks, how a bill became a law so many times before um, you realize that's really not how it works here at the state level. And uh, people are hungry. People want to be involved if they're just given the opportunity. So we help kind of train you um, out there and give you information and teach you Um, whatever it is you need to know you want to know about how things work at the Capitol, about specific policies and bills and whatever Uh, we try to do that in a non-partisan, kind of non um, directive way there are certainly some policies and some bills that are better for our state than others and there's there's a lot of stuff man that has become a partisan issue and I don't understand why that's the case in the last few years we've seen education funding and how we go about funding education how much money they get become a partisan issue and this isn't about spending versus um, actual revenue There's we, we've cut things down to the bone and I think almost everyone agrees citizens and lawmakers alike that we're we're at the point now that it's hard to it's hard to meet those core services so we uh, uh, somehow this fight becomes a partisan fight between two parties or between factions of, of uh, even within those parties and all that's doing is breaking Oklahoma down right so here's what I want to do is we want to help you as a citizen as a person who lives in this state we want to help you to speak up and to to speak out to not just advocacy in the streets and not just complain on Facebook because man I'll be honest that doesn't get us very far um, I think we all know that social media has increasingly become an echo chamber of ideas like ours. So we talk to our friends that think like us and believe like us, and we're not changing their mind because they already agree. And really what we need to do is to talk to the folks in power. Now I know many people feel pretty cynical about what happens in politics, and I can't blame you, I'm one of them. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm someone else who shares that uh, that kind of cynicism for what happens, and, and and honestly, that's part of why we're focused on stuff at the state level rather than the federal level, because the state level it's right here. Like these are the people that still live here. They live in your neighborhood. Like your legislator, your state house rep, represents 38,000 people who live around you, and there's a good chance that you guys shop at the same grocery store, or you go to the same gas station, and if you don't even know who your legislator is, you could be at the next gas pump you know, four feet from them, and not even know it. But what if you did? What if you knew who they were, and what if you started up a conversation and spoke to them about that bill they voted on last week, or about how you're a, a teacher, or a, a employee at the prison, and you've seen your co-workers' salaries be cut, or you haven't had a raise in 10 years, or your kid's Used to play the clarinet, and now they can't because the band program got cut. Or how about the road down the street that you have to take to go visit your your ill grandmother, and the road is so crumbled because we haven't properly invested in repairs. Or what about the fact that you can't afford to buy a car, or that, or that you're worried about earthquakes, or you're worried about the price of gas, or you know, the fact that your kids aren't receiving a proper health education because the standards for sex ed haven't been updated since the late 80s. I mean, there's a lots of stuff out there. Oklahoma has one of the longest and most complicated constitutions in the country. While we'd love to see that rewritten in a way that's more concise, let's do what we can do. Each one of us, you and I, have an issue or a few issues that we really care about. Things that we would love to see change and things that we have a unique perspective on. Now, not all of us necessarily care about being able to shoot wild hogs from a helicopter, but that affects somebody, right? And those folks spoke up in 2016 or 2017 and got a bill passed to allow that so they can cut down on feral hogs that are running rampant in southern Oklahoma. And that seems, you know, maybe silly to lots of us, but hey, that's an issue that faced them. And they spoke up and got a bill passed. And if they can do it, man, I you want to believe... You and I can do that too. So, in addition to our kind of training and information sessions and meetups that we have out in the community, um, we also do stuff inside the Capitol. And namely, every month um, during session, which is February through May, we have one day set aside as our capital day. Now, every group out there, every trade organization has a day at the Capitol whether you're the Beef Council or the Homeschoolers Association or anybody. Everyone's got a day at the Capitol, right? And that's good. I mean, lots of groups should have. There's an Art Day at the Capitol. There's a Child Advocacy Day at the Capitol that we participated in last year. There's lots of excellent organizations, and part of being a representative democracy means everyone gets to go in there, do their thing. So, um, what we want to do is to have a day for the rest of us. You know, for all the All the regular folks who may not feel like we belong to one of those special trade organizations. You know, lots of us, maybe you're retired, maybe you're new in the workforce, maybe you've had a few jobs, but you don't feel like you're a member of any one organization that would go up there. And so we try to plan it out so that you can plan in advance, maybe take some time off work, even just a couple hours, to drive up to the Capitol and take time to meet with your legislator face-to-face, and talk to them about whatever it is that you're passionate about. I think this is so important. In in almost every event that we've held at the Capitol, more than half of the crowd that's there has been there for the very first time. More than half. Every time. Now, this year, 2017, we did this four times in four months, and crowds got so big we had to find a bigger room. And for several of those, uh, we're in the in the blue room, which is down the hall from the governor's office. And it seats 90 people, and sometimes it was packed. Uh, and maybe that was, you know, we partnered up with Oklahoma's for the Arts and with the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy for a couple of those events, and had some of their folks there too. But still, a lot of them had never been there before. Why is that? I mean, so many people have like, oh, I've never even thought about going. And I'll tell you what, it changes your relationship with your legislator when you meet them face to face, when you shake their hand and look them in the eye, introduce yourself. Because almost nobody does this. Like, man, you know, almost no one makes phone calls or sends emails either. Um, but certainly, very few people show up to the Capitol to talk to them and to let them know like this is important. I've talked to several legislators that I've gotten to know and found out that as few as like six phone calls can sway their vote on something. Six phone calls out of 38,000 or 70,000 people they may represent because nobody calls. A legislator told me that if he receives 12 phone calls, uh, or 12 to 15 phone calls about one issue, like 12 people from his district calling and saying, hey, I live in your district, this is my address, I want you to vote no on this bill, and here's why. When his assistant tells him, hey, we got 12 phone calls this week about this issue, he knows, whoa, this must be a really big deal. Man, can you imagine? Only 12 voices is what it takes to really sway a vote. Well, there's way more than just 12 of us out there. So I really encourage you, if you haven't, um, even if you just come to say hi, you may totally agree with the legislator on everything they voted on which seems suspicious, but hey, that's up to you. If that's the case, still come up and tell them thank you. Um, meet them, let them know that you are there, that you appreciate them and you voted for them, or you're going to vote for them, and also tell them what you care about, because they may have sway with some other legislators there. So, all right, so that's uh, that's a little bit about us and, and where we are and what we do. Um, We really want to, uh, as I said, kind of uh, in this episode and then in future episodes of the podcast, um, hopefully it won't just be me talking, it'll be a little more exciting, and we're going to, here in a minute, dive into some of the issues that have been going on in the last week or two at the state legislature. As things start gearing up, um, we are looking at um, what's happening here in the off-season, we're going to be talking about working groups, we're going to be talking about interim studies, Going to be talking about Supreme Court cases, um, public budget hearings, stuff that's happening here in the buildup to the start of the 2018 legislative session in February. So, um, thanks for listening. Again, you can connect with us on social media Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Let's Fix This OK, uh, all three of those. And uh, our website, Let's Fix This OK. .org So last week the House Democratic Caucus held what they called a public budget hearing and I saw this event on Facebook um, I think they may have had a sponsored post. Someone may have invited me. I don't know. Uh, but it came up, and they probably wisely just entitled it Public Budget Hearing. Um, and then it, you kind of had to read into it, and you found out it was sponsored by the, the House PAC or the House Democratic uh, Political Action Committee. And, um, you know, I, I, as a nonpartisan organization, we would always like to see things have a more broad bipartisan support. But, hey, if anyone's going to step out there and do it, um, go for it and especially anyone who's stepping out trying to get the public involved and give them a voice we're big fans of that so um what we did i went up there was in the evening and um sat in and um, they had it in the house chambers uh from like 5 to 7 p.m which was designed to be after work and i appreciate that five o'clock personally was a little bit tough to get there I, i worked not too far from the capitol but it was still took a little bit of a Time to get up there before they, I could uh, sit in. And from the looks, uh, there was roughly a hundred people there, maybe a little bit more than a hundred, hundred and fifty if you count the legislators and the media that were in attendance. And I was honestly pleasantly surprised. They, um, they gave the public the floor. Really, uh, Representative Emily Virgin kind of started it off, gave some kind of instructions and uh, overview. And then they had a, I'll say a docket, of individuals that had scheduled to speak about their individual experiences. So you had people from really all walks of life, um, several teachers, people from uh, the Oklahoma uh, Education Association from OEA, Alicia Priest spoke. um, That's the the trade organization that represents Oklahoma teachers. Um, Had some specific teachers, you had a superintendent Um, had some people representing DHS um, or DHS-funded entities, so like foster care organizations, um, even some people who had grown up in the foster care system uh, and kind of explained their story and their perspective on things, people with disabilities, um, healthcare, um, had some folks from uh, the um, OU Medical Center and some other healthcare entities speak about what uh, cuts to care it's Oklahoma's Medicaid program, what those things would look like. So really you got kind of a well-rounded picture, and I'm leaving out tons. It was an hour and a half long of people speaking, and so getting to hear them and um, have them talk about what, what the state budget situation looks like for them and what cuts would look like if it was rolled out um, on them and what the impact would be. So it was pretty interesting, and then at the end, um, Minority Leader Scott Inman closed up and said a few words of thank you and and closed it up. And so I, I think you know, many folks, probably certainly um, Republicans, expected it to be more of a, a platform for the Democrats to um, kind of blame the majority party for the ills of the state budget. Um, and it it wasn't that. Um, it was really just a chance for the for people to stand in the House chamber. At the podium and to tell their story, and to talk about why it mattered, and that the I've heard the phrase the budget is a moral document, and to hear them talk about what that document means to them, what it means to their lives, and the impact that it has on their programs and how they how they do what they do, how they care for people, how they live their life, what the role is in creating the society here in Oklahoma, and what we need to do. So, um. It was uh, honestly it was a pretty depressing, you know, hour and a half or hour and forty five minutes, um, because the stories were not positive. Um, in a state that's faced perpetual budget shortfalls for several years, and already looking forward to a substantial budget shortfall, I think of at least a half a billion dollars for 2018. Uh, it was bad news, uh, so that was pretty pretty humbling to to see. Um, but just because it's sad and depressing and bad doesn't mean that we shouldn't hear it, right? It can't all be roses, especially if that's uh, that's what reality looks like. So, um, so for our point um, or from our point of view, hats off to the Democrats for um, reaching out and soliciting some feedback from regular people from Oklahomans. Again, it tended to be folks from here, you know, I want to say within an hour of the of Oklahoma City. Um, We'd love to hear more from rural areas. Um, it's tough, you know. It's tough to do outreach, tough to get folks in here. But um, at least they started something. Um, we are looking forward to here soon. The uh, there's some working groups they're going to start in the House. Um, House Leader John Eccles has kind of assigned members of his party to run these working groups, and supposedly it's kind of like unofficial committees. Their representatives are not required to attend. Um, the, the working groups are supposed to meet at least once per month, and they're kind of broken in different topics. And it's kind of, like I said, kind of unofficial committees for them to do some work outside the session. The representatives are not paid for being there. And they're not compensated for their time or their mileage um, like they are during session. So I'll be curious to see what kind of attendance there is. Um, I did reach out to Leader Eccles and encourage him to um, have some kind of public forum, some kind of public comment thing, much like the Democrats did. I think, or I mean, come on, like both parties should be doing this, right? Like we really want them to care about both sides, uh, or we want both sides to care about us. And uh, so we really want. Uh, I asked if I asked uh, Leader Eccles if there was any way that we could be involved, um, and like we as in the public. And he said it's up to the committee chairs or the the working group chairs but he thought it was a good idea um, and I even volunteered to help find some find some people to speak or to kind of talk about this stuff if they're going to be making decisions about the state budget that affects you know, know millions of Oklahomans at least a few of us <laughs> a few people should be maybe uh, up there to give some feedback in the meantime as those kick off we'll be sharing some information about that here soon um, on uh, on our website and on our Facebook and Twitter. Um, don't forget that you can reach out to your state legislators at home. Um, I mean, don't just go creeping up on their house at night and knock on the door, but um, you can still contact them. They all still get their email, um, and they've many of them have staff that work through the summer at the Capitol to help manage their email and phone. So uh, always reach out for the ones that are in rural areas. Um, there's a good chance you probably know who your legislator is. feels like everyone I talk to that lives in a in a more rural area knows them and has known them or their family for a few years. Or you go to church with them or something. makes it easy to get a hold of them. But I really encourage you to go ahead and send emails and reach out and uh, maybe schedule a time to meet them for coffee. Um, in fact, I, I haven't met my state senator yet. I moved not too long ago. And so I ran into him uh, at the Capitol. And Greg Treat is my senator right now. And uh, I talked to him and he said, yeah, just you know, give me a call or send me an email. and We'll set up a coffee. I may have to bring my kids with me, depends on what it is, because he um, has his kids part of the time, um, I think, during the day or during the week. Well, I thought that was fine with me. And um, He gave a few suggestions for where we might meet, and I thought that would be great. So I'm going to try to follow up and do that. And uh, It's really just that easy. You don't have to be anything special. You don't have to even have a real agenda. You're a constituent. You're someone who lives in their district, and that should be enough. And it certainly does help if you have some idea of what you want to say. Um, don't expect them to run the conversation. You're the one that made the invitation, but uh, that's really all it takes. So um, so we, yeah, encourage you. Go ahead and reach out and try to, uh, try to connect with them. And um, stay tuned. Keep paying attention to these working groups. I suspect we will see some interesting developments come out of there. I've heard some critiques that they are a way for the legislature to do their work outside the, the bounds of the normal um, parliamentary procedures, um, which is, if that's the case, that's certainly not cool. Um, so, I'm going to keep a keen eye on the on the state capitol and see what's happening up there, and uh, and try to engage with, with my lawmakers, and I encourage you to engage with yours. Tuesday today, I've been recording this, was the the state Supreme Court hearing of the three cases for the revenue measures that were passed in the last few days of the session back in May, and these were pretty hotly contested at the time that they passed and the weeks leading up to them, Uh, and they were all passed in that very last week, uh, which poses some potential problems for the legislature, and we'll talk about that as we go through here. Uh, so really there was, there's three separate cases and the state Supreme Court heard all three of them today, back to back, 9, 10, and 11 a.m. Uh, the first one dealt with the auto sales tax. So this was a bill uh, that essentially uh, the state argues um, that they were just repealing a tax a sales tax exemption, not actually passing a new tax. And so, for example, These aren't the actual numbers, but let's say that the sales tax was set at five percent, but then they also passed an exemption for of four percent. So five minus four is one. Like your effective sales tax rate would be one percent off the purchase, or one percent tax on the purchase of your car. And if they repeal that exemption, it's a double negative. (laughs) If they they roll back the exemption, to they would roll it back to a different amount. So if it was 4%, maybe they roll it back to 2%, well then 5 minus 2 is 3. You have a 3% tax uh, sales tax you have to pay on on a vehicle. Uh, And so as a way to give the state more money, the legislature rolled back that exemption and the Auto Dealers Association argued that that was essentially a revenue raising measure which they are uh, constitutionally not allowed to do during the last five days of session, there's a there's a law that says the state legislature cannot pass any revenue raising measures in the last five days of session. Um, and then, uh, so there's that. And then they the dealers also said that this is it's essentially it's a new tax. It it, it has never been this rate. That regardless of how they try to spin it, it's still a new tax. The tax is going up from you know, one to three percent, or whatever the numbers are. Um, and technically, under the, uh, under the current law, anything that is a new tax must be passed by a 75 percent majority in both chambers, both the House and the Senate. Uh, and the reason for that is this little, uh, little law called State Question 640. Now this was a, a state question, it was a vote of the people on the ballot in 1992 um, and that was, a, uh, that was a presidential election year, it was a big ballot and this uh, State Question 640, you may have heard about it in the news a lot this session, uh, State Question 640 basically says that it makes it more difficult for the state to raise taxes which is really an easy law to pass. You just tell everyone hey, uh, this state question makes it more difficult for the state to raise your taxes. And everybody says, "Yep, I like that." Uh, we didn't. I don't think the people fully understood the implications, the ramifications that that would have down the road, um, because we didn't know what was going to happen for the next uh, twenty-five years. So, what did happen is that the, uh, as uh, as you know, the economy changes, things change. Um, you know, tax rates get. Cut so we've in the last 10 years we've cut the income tax rate a few different times, but we can't we cut it because the economy is doing really well. And now that the economy is not doing so well, we uh, other things, you know, um, gross production taxes, gasoline tax, sales tax, all this stuff. The state is short on money, uh, but we can't raise, can't replace, or can't if we cut it, we can't raise it back up without it having a huge majority of 75% majority in both chambers. So all right, so that's State Question 640, makes it really tough to pass any kind of tax increase, even if our state desperately needs it. Um, a 75% majority is really difficult to get in in both chambers. That's hard to get that many people to agree on anything, <laughs> right, um, so auto dealers say this is a new tax, it should have had the 75% and it didn't, it had um, just over 50%, I believe, And the state says, no way, it's just an exemption change. Um, It's not the same thing. It's not a new tax. So, my takeaway, my impression, as someone who is not a legal scholar, but someone who pays attention and um, tries to read about this as much as he can, um, I imagine this will be upheld as passed by the legislature. I don't think it'll be overturned because if it, there was a, during the arguments this morning, there was a, a few questions that really kind of tipped me into this, that if this was ruled unconstitutional, if this adjustment to the exemption is ruled unconstitutional, then that could lay the basis for other exemptions um, to be under the same requirement of a high, uh, like a, a supermajority to pass it. So um, so like if this was unconstitutional, it'd be basically saying no, if you repeal an exemption, you have to do it with the 75% majority. Well, there's lots of exemption, tax exemptions that the state gives to industries or specific businesses and if um, where they will like temporarily decrease an industry's corporate taxes, if you got their corporate income taxes. I might say, okay, for the next five years, the wind industry gets a tax credit. You don't have to pay as much in Uh, in corporate income taxes for five years. But let's say they did it without a five-year time limit. They just said, okay, we're gonna change, we're gonna give you an exemption perpetually and we'll change it when we need to change it. If this was passed, then it would make it more difficult for the state to repeal those kind of corporate welfare programs, which would be a great thing for corporations but a really bad deal for the state. Um, And so we don't really want that either. So there's that, and I don't think that the court is going to go for it. I think, I think the case that was laid out, legitimately shows that it was, it is an adjustment to an exemption and not a new tax. It didn't actually pass a new tax; they just repealed an exemption. It's like something's been on sale forever, and then it's no longer on sale, and now it's back to the regular price. That's still the price it was, if you if you knew it all the way along. So, uh, that's the first one. The second case was the uh, infamous $1. fifty a pack cigarette tax uh, fee thing. I guess technically they, it's a fee. Um, the state said this is not a tax. This is a fee and the fee is designed to reduce smoking rates. And honestly, there's a, quite a bit of data that shows that the best way to for smoking, one of the best ways to decrease smoking rates is to raise the price. Um, so that's something that um, the state needs to do. We've, Oklahoma has one of the highest smoking rates in the country, and that definitely correlates with our terrible health outcomes in almost every measure. And so, um, but they, they did it, they tried to pass it as a tax and it didn't have the 75% votes. So then they changed it, and said it's, only a, it's just a fee. Uh, I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, but it's a fee and thus they only, they said they only needed 51 votes and they pushed it through um, with a simple majority. So this was being challenged by Big Tobacco, the the tobacco industry, and um, they said, no, this bill is a new tax, this is not a fee. Um, You're adding this tax on there, it wasn't there before, you're putting it on there now. Everyone knows it's a tax, you tried to run it as a tax before you ran it as a fee, it's the same thing. You just changed one word and Um, and said, oh, this is actually about smoking cessation, not about new revenue, but they didn't, I don't, that doesn't really fly. I don't think anyone really believes that um, in their heart of hearts. Um, (laughs) Big Tobacco said if this really was just an effort to reduce smoking, they could do that without passing a tax. Like, they could just say that smoking is illegal in the whole state. That would be a great way to plummet smoking rates, Right? you'd have other problems but like that's they could have done that and they certainly didn't and um, they didn't even try because that bill would only require a simple majority Um, so it's if it's not just about and that would be the most effective way to reduce smoking right is just to make it illegal across the board they didn't do that uh, and big tobacco <laughs> did admit that cigarettes are dangerous <laughs> and harmful to you um, smoking is bad for you uh... but even with that known, um, that doesn't mean that cigarettes should be discriminated against any more than other things that are also bad for you, such as soda, potato chips, and wine, um, according to the attorney. I'm sure some, some of my listeners will take exception with at least one of those items. Um, so, the takeaway from this is that it's really a tough call. Uh, I mean, it's I think it's pretty obviously a tax, since we've all been talking about it for a couple of years as a tax. They tried to run this bill uh, last year in 2016, and it didn't pass. Um, And they also ran it here this year, and it didn't pass. Um, So there's that. It's pretty obviously a tax. But there is an argument to be made that it does actually lower smoking rates. And if You just wanna go what's on paper um, and not kind of go with your gut gut instinct about what this might really be about. If it's not really about revenue, there's a legitimate argument to say this is about reducing smoking rates. There was no discussion about what happens if it doesn't reduce smoking rates. It's pretty obvious that it will, but what if it doesn't? Um, Also, this tax alone represents $225 million of revenue uh, it was included in this year's budget, and so if this is overturned, we will almost certainly have a special session uh, of the legislature this fall. Um, that's a big chunk of change. Um, it would be a whole, and that money almost entirely goes to health programs. I think a little bit goes to the ABLE Commission, which is the alcohol um, enforcement group, um, but a bunch of it goes to health programs uh, the Department of Health and maybe the Department of Mental Health stuff, places that desperately need the money. And so I can't imagine they would let this just go through as a, as a huge cut. It would be like a 20% cut to those budgets. Uh, and then the third thing is the fee on electric it's a, so there's two the third one has two different bills in here. One is the fee on electric car purchases and the other one is a cap on the standard de- deduction for your state income taxes. So the first part, the fee on electric cars is a flat fee, I forget the dollar amount, Um, it's like $100 or something that's um, added to the price of every electric vehicle that's purchased, and the state says that they have to do this, um, not as a revenue measure, but as a a way to, um, like, almost for parity with gasoline vehicles. If you drive a gasoline vehicle, as most of us do, you buy gas to put in it, and a portion of your gas that you buy, the price of gas, is a uh, a fuel tax, a gasoline tax, or diesel tax, and that money goes to pay for road upkeep, road repair in the state. Well, if you drive an electric vehicle, you're still driving on the roads, but you're not buying gasoline, so there's no mechanism for which, like, you're not paying to repair the roads you're driving on. So your car is tearing up the roads, but you're not paying to help support them and the state kind of says uh well this is really just to make it even this way electric vehicles are also paying their part to help upkeep the roads of oklahoma um that's uh that's a pretty weak argument <laughs> i think um but uh but there it is it's not a whole bunch of money i mean maybe four million i think uh, in the first year so it's not a huge chunk of money money we desperately need nonetheless but four million when we're short like a billion that's like being four dollars short when you need a thousand it's a drop in the bucket so um, so there's that and um, the other piece the standard deduction it caps the standard deduction at I think the current amount that it is so if you make over a certain amount you can, you can pick the standard deduction or you can itemize your deductions we're getting a tax policy now that's kind of in the weeds but um the state said they needed to do this to protect the state to have a more predictable amount of income of revenue if the federal government changes the amount of the standard deduction. And there's been some indication from the Trump administration that they might do that. So lots of maybes, what ifs, scenarios. Uh, so the the individual that filed suit against these two measures is Gary Richardson, who you may have heard is also running for governor. Um, next year. And so that puts this at a. He's an attorney uh, from up in Tulsa, and he's running as a pretty conservative Republican. I think he's close to the libertarian territory. Um, and his their argument, um, his attorney, Stan Ward, who has a kind of, I guess, a long and storied history with State Question 640, he was in the room when it's been challenged in the past and um, argued for it or against it. I didn't quite catch that part, but. Um, their argument is that the intent of State Question 640, we mentioned earlier, is that any measure that increases revenue whatsoever, um, must be subject to the 75% majority rule. Any measure, any revenue measure at all, unless the revenue it generates is totally incidental to its purpose, but anything that has a substantial impact on revenue should be, um, should be passed by 75% majority, and this, again, was not. Um... So that's that's really it. Um, the state says no, it's a fee, it's not a tax about the electric cars, and the standard deduction needed to be done to stabilize state revenues. Um, and they don't even they can't even estimate what the impact might be. It might be no impact, and so the court shouldn't overturn a law when we don't know that it, it'll have any impact whatsoever. Uh, so my takeaway from this one is that the the court kind of rebutted the fact that the f- fuel tax is a use tax i mean they really kind of said yeah but um the the fuel tax is you're you're like paying you pay your fuel tax you pay a gasoline tax that's your payment for driving on the roads um and they this fee is different than that um and they're they were trying to say this is clearly like a sales tax um which is what it was um but the state says no it's just a, it's like a use tax it's your it's what you pay to drive on the roads um so that is somewhat wishy-washy I think I could see that one being overturned but again it's not a whole bunch of money um however uh, Justice Edmondson said the petitioner's argument for it be unconstitutional is pretty weak as well um Also, there was some question that Gary Richardson may not even have the grounds to file um, some of these cases, particularly the electric vehicle tax, because he hasn't, unless he hasn't yet purchased an electric vehicle, and it would only be for new electric vehicles that are purchased after the bill goes into law. It may already be in effect, I'm not sure. Um, And they said, well, he is filing this as someone who may be affected by it and for the sender deduction piece, because Mr. Richardson almost certainly itemizes, based on his income, um, that he was just filing this on behalf of the kind of public good representing all Oklahomans. Um, so there's a chance this could just be dismissed out of hand, um, saying that he didn't have the, a claim to file this on in the first place, in which case someone else will file it, I'm sure, but um, nevertheless, there's that. So uh, kind of overall, uh, in summary, I think the the summary is that state question 640 is really on the block to be more defined by the state government. The question is, you know, what does it pertain to? If it's about revenue, is it all revenue? Is it only some types of revenue? Where is the threshold? What's a tax? What's a fee? When does a tax become a fee? When does a fee become a tax? How do we define that? Um, and, the, and again, Stan Ward, the attorney there for Mr. Richardson, really um, said like he expects, if nothing else, that we'll get some kind of um, clarification on what 640 pertains to. Now my thought is, um, if this doesn't, so I just, my hot take <laughs> is that um, the Auto Dealers Association case um, will not be overturned, that'll be upheld, and that that, um, that sales tax exemption repeal will remain in effect. And I kind of anticipate that uh, these last two will also remain in effect, which leaves the cigarette tax, the the big 800-pound gorilla in the room, um, as the X factor. It's hard to know what they're going to do about that. It's a tough call for the Supreme Court to you know blow a big hole in the state budget, um, and state agencies really need this money. But if they don't, they let it stand up, then that means that the legislature kind of got away with uh, uh, really bending the rules more than maybe they should have, and I think that's a risky precedent to set as well. Um, because then the argument is, well, if, if they could just call this dollar fifty a pack fee a fee as an excise fee, then what's to stop them from changing every excise tax out there into a fee? And so we get state question six forty is a double edged sword, um, and it because it ties our hands as a state. Um, and we can't respond to economic variations, <laughs> um, uh, changes in the economy, we can't respond to them like we need to, um, but we, I, they, there's no argument to really overturn it um, because the way it got passed in the first place was just saying, hey, this bill makes it more difficult for the state to raise your taxes. And no one wants the state to easily raise your taxes, uh, but this made it too hard. This really made it too difficult, um, and so now we're in a pickle. <laughs> now we gotta—we made this bad. We gotta lie in it, right? So, um, so that's kind of my hot take. I think, I think the sales tax thing, the electric car deal, and the standard deduction will remain as passed by the legislature, and the cigarette tax. I don't know, I'll give it a 60% chance of being overturned and a 40% chance of being upheld. That's my that's my wager, I'm gonna hedge my bets on that, I really don't know. Um, it'll be curious to see, we'll start, I'm sure we'll see a jillion um, people kind of come out with their two cents on this. I would love to hear from you though, what your thoughts are on this. Do you think they're gonna be overturned? Do you think they should be overturned? Um, please send us your thoughts, I'll be happy to kind of summarize and um, compile them uh, for our next episode, um, so remember you can reach out to us. Uh, you can email me at andy at letsfixthisok.org. Um, our website's letsfixthisok.org. or better yet, uh, tweet at me. Let's uh, or my handle is at let'sfixthisok. On Facebook, it's facebook slash let'sfixthisok, and newly on Instagram, Instagram dot com slash let's fix this okay or simply at let's fix this okay all right thanks so much for tuning in to our first episode of let's pod this um stay tuned we will have more hopefully next week uh maybe some special guests and we will uh probably continue this discussion about the state supreme court hearings today Uh, i've heard some folks think we might have a ruling within two weeks before that cigarette tax goes into effect at the end of this month Um, And we'll also talk about some events we have coming up. One quick plug for that is that on August 23rd at the Tower Theater on Northwest 23rd Street, 23rd and Walker, um, we're having a tussle at the Tower, having a uh, debate for the Oklahoma County Sheriff's election. Um, The election is in September of this year, so this is your chance to come in. If you live in Oklahoma County or you work in Oklahoma County or drive through here very much, um, to come see um, the candidates. Uh, all three candidates are going to be there. Uh, that's a Democrat, a Republican, and an Independent. This is great, this is democracy at work. Um, so they'll be there in person answering questions from some tried and true trusted local reporters. Um, the event will be moderated by Trey Savage from Nondoc. And uh, we are proud to partner with them and the Oklahoma Women's Coalition to, um, to host this event at the Tower Theater Recently remodeled. They just had their first concert there this week. Really exciting. Once again, that's August 23rd at 6 o'clock. We have all the details for that on our website, letsfixthisok.org, and on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash letsfixthisok. Thanks so much. Stay tuned next week for Let's Pod This.